It's a little known fact. Very little known fact. I was at a bit of a loose end and I got a call from these producers that have made this new cartoon and they said, would you like to do the title? I was not sure at the time, but I said, go on, send me the demo track, send me the lyrics. Anyway, I gave it everything. I think it's probably, it's beyond Mamma Mia. The success of Mamma Mia was massive. This is something I'm particularly proud of. I was happy. I was very happy with what I sent back. But then, you know, in this game, you can't account for taste. <laughs> Man. <laughs> James Bond Jr. Oh my god. No uh. one can stop him, but Scam always tries. Young Bond cuts through each web of spies. <laughs> he never gained from his uncle James. Now he's to his name. James Bond, James Bond Jr. <laughs> Look at his coming through, he's got a job to do while he rescues a girl. James Bond Jr. chasing James Bond Jr. chasing scum around the world. Yeah, scum. <laughs> so. <laughs> Big shout out to Stu Only Live Tweets for his Brosnan impressions. I think they're absolutely gold. It's fantastic. Uh, We're supposed to top that. Right. No. Hello, welcome to a special episode of James Bond Jr. and Friends. (laughs) (laughs) A new sub-series of James Bond and Friends. And um, if you haven't guessed already, we're going to do the first two episodes of James Bond Jr. today. <laughs> I'm not as enthusiastic as Calvin, I've got to say. <laughs> so, joining us this week is David, Calvin, Bill, and Lisa. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? David Lee here. I run the jamesbonddossier.com. Uh, I have never seen James Bond Jr. before. I Ooh. am seriously worried about what I'm letting myself in for. And. Uh, Probably because of the age group it is aimed at, uh, the, um, the James Bond Jr., I mean, I should be drinking an Alka-Pop, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've no, got some, both. some cider, some cider, <laughs> some <stole. laughs> or, or just alcohol through an IV. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, instead, I'm drinking a bottle of Estrella Dam, the beer of Barcelona, unsponsored as well. <laughs> I really wish I'd made uh, so. Do you know cheeky vimptos? No. <laughs> anyway, it, it's it's port and then blue WKD, which is like a blue alcopop. Right. Uh, so your port is your spirit, and then the alcopop is the mixer. But and then it ends up tasting yeah like a like a vimto, which is like a, a soft drink, but it's alcoholic. So it's, okay. Uh, it's great. I brought it into work once uh, to give to all of these. Yeah, we, we used to do like a drink sharing thing. And then there was all these sort of like, you know, high level, you know, execs that come over from the States drinking this horrible concoction uh, that I brought in, which was great. Uh, anyway, I'm Calvin Dyson. And I <laughs> run a YouTube channel where I make videos about James Bond. And I have some videos about James Bond Jr. too, which uh, I'm very glad that we're talking about today because I think it is an often overlooked aspect of the James Bond franchise. And it has been buried somewhat. So I'm, I'm very glad that we're going to have the opportunity to talk about it today. 
And uh, I'm Bill Koenig. I run a blog called The Spy Command, and I never saw James Bond Jr. aside from the main titles until this past week. And I watched most of the first episode we're going to do on this watch along. And it suddenly struck me. It's like, it's kind of like Harry Potter without the magic. And this came out uh, several years before the first Harry Potter novel. That's not an endorsement, but just it, the there were similarities that kind of struck me. So we can talk about that. James Bond Jr. led to Harry Potter. That's Wow. <laughs> um, I'm Dr. Lisa Funnel. I am, what am I? I'm the author of the Geographies, Genders, and Geopolitics of James Bond, editor of For His Eyes Only the Women of James Bond, host of the License to Critique podcast, exploring gender in the world of James Bond and beyond. Yes, I have an alcoholic beverage that is a combination of cranberry juice, apple juice, vodka, and um, some sort of fizzy water, but really what I want to talk about is how much of a fan I am of James Bond Jr. I grew up watching this. I was talking about it with my parents this morning and they couldn't believe that they had not seen it, but they never sat down and watched cartoons with us, you know, growing up. It was like, you know, go watch your cartoons. And I watched this and I love this cartoon series. It's on my James, uh, gender and James Bond course. We talk about this. I just have to give a shout out to Gordo Leiter, who's a surfer dude, um, who's totally <laughs> tubular in this. But there's just there's something about the way that this cartoon connects with the Bond franchise, gives us all of these references, and I kind of love it. I think that it, it it is a gem, and we are here to excavate it for fans. <laughs> and is your, is your dad going to uh, watch it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to make him watch it. Yeah. <laughs> So for those listening not familiar with the history of this, um, first broadcast on CBS in the States in nine, September of 91, ran for 65 episodes through to, I think, May uh, 92. I did some digging on this. Um, for MI6 Confidential some years, six years ago, I interviewed pretty much everybody that was involved in it, um, except for Eon, because they refused to talk about it. Uh, we'll get on to why. Um so the potted history is in 90, um, whilst the whole hiatus was about to kick off with the legal stuff after License to Kill, Cubby Broccoli basically handed the reins of Eon over to Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli at that point. And Michael G. Wilson's idea to do something whilst the film franchise was in hiatus was to create a kid's cartoon with the IP. And he partnered up with two guys who had just been super successful with the Ghostbusters cartoon series. The real Ghostbusters? Yeah. Okay. The kid's cartoon series. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they had they wrote the spec for this. Um, they came up with pretty much everything, the characters, and they they kind of basically wrote the show bible, as the production guys call it, um, which sets out all the scenes and uh, the the background to all the characters and everything. Um, and then they interviewed um, Fred Wolf for his production company, who were killing it with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the time. Um, to come and make the show for them and basically handed them the box of stuff and said, this is the show we want you to make, make 65 episodes, which they did. Um, and we interviewed Fred Wolf about it at length and he's got some very funny stories. But the, the big takeaway is like all the questions you have or may have about this, like why is he called James Bond Jr.? How does that work? Why is it spelt the American way when he's a British guy? <laughs> all these questions, His the responses he got from Eon were, don't ask, just do it. <laughs> right? So... Um, and the other interesting thing we dug up in all of that exercise was because I've got copies of like the original show Bibles now and scripts and all the rest of it, all the production materials. And there's only ever 
one mention of who's James Bond's junior's parents are, and it's an oblique reference to his mum being a linguist. And that's it. There is mm. never any mention of his parents in any of the materials at all. And they were told basically, don't bring it up, don't make it a part of the story, don't ask, don't ask, don't tell. Well, well <laughs> real quick, the reason I asked the real Ghostbusters cartoon is because there was another Saturday morning show called The Ghostbusters that had nothing to do with the film series. It had Forrest Tucker and Larry Storch and a guy in a gorilla suit. And don't ask. No. It's like, right. so, so then there was like the cartoon based on the film series, and that was called The Real Ghostbusters. Yes. That's why they put the real into the title. And they were cartoon versions of Bill Murray. And That's Eric. the one we're talking yeah, about. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Just, I'm, I'm just pointing that out. There is here in the States, probably like outside the United States, people don't know about that Forrest Tucker, Larry Storch thing. But right. anyway, just bringing that up. I'm done. So, Fred Wolf's company made the show, but all the animation was done in Korea. Yeah. Um, kind of on the cheap because of the amount that they needed to make. Um, a typical episode took 12 weeks from start to finish to make, and they were making seven at the same time. So this was a real production line, quite the opposite to producing a film today, right? Um, a sausage they, machine. <laughs> a sausage machine, yes. So well, they had this constant conveyor belt where every like two weeks a new episode would drop off the end of the conveyor belt. It's quite impressive. Well, and, um, and until also, you see it. also I follow a number of cartoon people on Twitter, and one thing they've said, multiple of them have said, is like for some reason sixty five is the magic number. If you can make sixty five syndication, yeah, it it works. Um, mm -hmm. So this is around the period that kicked in. Um, doing 65 episodes and you put in syndication boom and if you're in the uk and you were a kid in the mid 90s it was shown by itv during the school summer holidays in the morning after saved by the bell hmm. see this see, coming to james one jr i don't have despite being a child of the 90s um i think this might have just been a predated my sort of Bond fandom by just a few years. I think I was probably right. just a little bit too young to be watching it uh, when it was on air here. So I, I really just came to it later on. Well, when, when did you get into it, Calvin, then? Uh, <laughs> when I was about 26, I think. <laughs> well, and, and I was about to say, I became aware of it in the early 90s, and it was like, it was clearly syndicated. It was like late afternoon, like 4, 4.30 in the afternoon in in the U.S. And I saw it, it's like, but isn't James James Bond Jr., but it's not his son. What What's that all about? So I never really got into it, but. Yeah. So just, just to wrap up, so um, the Korean Animation Company uh, delivered 35 millimeter film prints of these episodes, which were then dubbed in the U.S., you know, with all voice acting and stuff. So. Somewhere there's a vault of 35 mil James Bond Jr. And they were digitized on, on tape and distributed through CBS and internationally. So there are, there are like film masters of these things out there somewhere. Um, but we are never going to see them because Barbara Broccoli absolutely hates James Bond Jr. And will never let it get out again. Fortunately for us, somebody taped them all off the TV and they're on YouTube. Hooray! <laughs> well, she, can't, she can't hate them that much, otherwise they'd have been taken down by now. They might be after this podcast gets released. We'll find well, out. Won't we? <laughs> I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but like, why does she hate them? She was against, from what we were told, she was against the idea from the very beginning. Okay. But... 
Suck it up, Barbara out. Broccoli. It's cool. Come on. I think it gets two pages in the James Bond Legacy book, and that's two pages more than I expected to see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I think it is kind of, you know, I, I, I'm, there are various reasons that I can uh, project on as to why you would kind of want to bury this. I, I think it is to sort of eon what, you know, the Star Wars holiday special is to George Lucas is kind of this relatively embarrassing aside that uh, the official powers would, you know, rather bury. Um, but I think there is some merit to it, so... The the last thing I want to just put on the little coder on the creation of James Bond Jr. Um, anybody who grew up in that time would know that like every kid's cartoon had merch mm-hmm. assigned to it, right? And James Bond Jr. Mm-hmm. had a whole slew of toys, action figures, vehicles, tons of stuff came out that was actually sold really well. The ratings for the show were actually pretty good. Um, and those on the production side we talked to were like quite surprised they didn't come back and do more. And, um, and, and also Marvel Comics licensed it. Yes, there were books and there were comics. Yeah. Yeah. On which top I, of that. Which and I, video releases. Which I forgot about until I just saw it this past week. So, yeah. So there's even more. There are some original adventures outside of the DV episodes if you want some more James Bond Jr. stuff. <laughs> it's extra stuff. I have crates of the toys in the garage. James <laughs> Jr. lifestyle. Well, well, given the uncertainty as to when Bond 26 will come out, maybe those toys might be valuable someday, James. I doubt it. I'm not hinging my retirement (laughs) on James Bond Jr. (laughs) Although I have a mint in box Gordo. Well, well, maybe Ah! I'll buy buy them for you for $2 and I'll see see what I can do. You'll have doubled my investment bill. Thank you. (laughs) All righty. Oh, at least I meant to ask you, if you you grew up watching this, I, I guess... Do you remember what channel it would have been on in Canada? Mm-mm. No, I knew it was a morning cartoon, like a Saturday morning cartoon, but I didn't even – like we had ABC, NBC. We had the typical stations, but I have no right. idea what it would be on. In the U.S., um, in Indianapolis, in the Indianapolis market, it was on either one of the then two independent uh, channels – either channel four or channel 59 um, because those channels got gobbled up when you had like, Oh, the WB and all these like wannabe networks. Yeah. 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 So, but at the time they were on independence, whichever one it was, it was an independent station. So then maybe it was a Canadian station, maybe like channel six, which was global or CTV, which was channel nine. Now for some reason, channel six now that, you said that probably strikes me. So it was probably a Canadian one rather than an American one. Right. Yeah, because it was it was locally syndicated versus yeah. network. Yeah. yeah. All right, should we do this? Yeah. Yes. I guess so. so. In the um in the episode description below, with Shiver Device, you're watching it on the web. Um, I'm gonna put some YouTube links. Um these YouTube links might not live forever, who knows? Um the thing you're looking for is James Bond Jr. episode zero one, the beginning. What struck me about this, just before we get into it, was obviously this is the pilot, what would be considered the pilot episode, even though all 65 are greenlit. So they have a lot to get through in 20 minutes. They have to introduce pretty much every single character. Um, most pilots are kind of like longer than a regular episode for that for that reason. So there's a lot to get through in this. Um, so hopefully the time will fly by. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Come on. Give it a chance, y'all. All right. So, if everyone's got the YouTubes open, we have. Yep. Yep. I have, yep. Anyway. All right. In three, 
two, one, play. If you're watching at home, it should say also available James Bond Jr. Worm in the Apple because this is from a home video release. Mm -hmm. Yes. In association with with United Artists Corp. (laughs) So this is a a bit of a cold open uh, pre-title sequence action scene. uh, Aston Martin DB5, which is all pretty cool. Uh, They're adhering to that element of Bond at least. Yeah, I don't know if the Korean animators thought that everybody in the UK drives on dirt roads. <laughs> With this stone on the outside of it. Like, that's a fancy right. dirt road. <laughs> well, I guess a part of this is that obviously it's uh, production of this. I'm assuming that most of the writers and whatnot are US-based. Um, yes. And the, yeah. I'm assuming that what will happen is that the characters, the backgrounds are all designed in the States, and then you send it to the Korean studios to do the actual animation after you have the animatic, which is like a moving storyboard, basically. Um, and then all of the individual animation is done in Korea. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would say it's probably more a fault of sort of American background designers. But this this does just kind of look like a lot of shows of this time, like that just have this kind of generic like 80s 90s uh sort of background look i'm thinking of transformers and thinking of yeah. gi joe, GI joe. Yeah. yeah yeah it reminded me of the quantum of solace pre-type sequence <laughs> yeah. yeah except it has more humor it would it, it, it will be noticeable when there's like a foot chase when you see the way the characters run that looks really bad but yeah, and the, England, well, you know, there must have been in Dover for this because there's a massive cliff. <laughs> yeah. And we're introduced here to Scumlord, which is the Blofeld of the whole series. Mm, yes, because I'm guessing they couldn't use Blofeld because Kevin McClory right. and all that. Right. And uh, I, c- I can't work out whether I'm better off watching it with my glasses on or without them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, actually whether I've had one drink or two drinks might be better. <laughs> oh, here we go, everyone. Yeah, Title yeah. sequence. The way ding, he's ding, running. Ding. The way he's running, it's like those James Bond Jr. Yeah. Now, okay. I'm happy to listen to the explanation, but like I was thinking about this ahead of the watch along. It's like, okay, it's like, did bond like impregnate somebody and it's like oh yeah he's my nephew <laughs> like some kind of- well going through the mechanics of it, it james bond had to have had a brother because otherwise if he had a sister she would assuming this is the 90s or 80s right. would have taken her husband's name yeah so yeah and um as i mentioned the, him, his mom is the only person's ever mentioned in passing in the show notes and they do mention in the first episode that children that have very important parents go go here and i don't know if they like allude to the fact that his parents are also important or he's there because it's because because of his uncle but there really isn't too much mention of any sort of like parentage it's just they keep saying your uncle james your uncle james your uncle james to really like you know solidify that point even though the junior kind of not sure how that works but we're just supposed (laughs) to go with it and and i can go with it like i'm i accept it See the the other thing that struck Casino me. Casino Royale, was, Casino Royale car park scene there. Well, <laughs> actually, I was reading the Bond, one of the Bond Seventeen treatments, which was being written at the same time as this, yeah. and that opens with Bond power sliding his car between two parking spaces. Hmm. Meanwhile, James and we should mention this is Bill. You want to mention what this 
what this school is named after. It's uh, the school is called Warfield, and that is a uh, Albert R. Broccoli production company. I think it was formed after he split off from Irving Allen. And in any case, Warfield was the production company that made Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, because that was technically not an Eon film, despite all the James Bond alumni involved with the production. Because, of course, Eon was a partnership between Broccoli and Saltzman, you know, and so he needed, you know, another production vehicle to make Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But I think he already had one before he formed uh, Eon with Saltzman. So this is um, James Bond Jr.'s first day at school. Which is kind of like just, Harry Potter, um, just without okay. the magic. <laughs> it's even a I castle. Have, I have never seen Harry Potter. <gasps> me, me neither. Me neither. Mm. It, it's funny, it, it, uh, uh, James Bond Jr.'s haircut, he, he's got a comma of hair like uh, James Bond has in the books, but he's got a very kind of 1980s haircut. <laughs> he's got a mullet. <laughs> but he also kind of yeah, looks like not, not to the extent of that blonde guy earlier, but yeah. But he does what? remind me of Pierce Brosnan. Like I can see the connection between you know if you watch this cartoon, it being filled in the space between the the Dalton era and the Brosnan era. Mm. And also, he's just now met IQ. It was Q's grandson, which I didn't realize. I was going to be rooming with him, so I hope you don't snore, IQ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I saw your, I children. Think, I, I think I saw your, your uh, book on, on the bookshelf, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> it's very convenient how the children of all of these people are the same age and end up well, going well, to the same just, school. Yeah, just, just, just watch how IQ walks in this next sequence. <laughs> Also, we'll have a what is Lighter's son? Maybe is another character. So, but, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But like, what country are they supposed to be in? Because you have James. England. So, oh, they're in England. So then, why is Felix Lighter's son this is there? A, and uh, then the headmaster. Red Pepper, no. I was going to say it's a bell pepper tree. <laughs> <laughs> He's an exchange student, Lighter's son. And just to oh, the point oh, of, oh, you know, there's Lighter's son with the long. <laughs> Mm. And, he, and, he, and he's got arms like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> just before, to, he gave, before he gave up steroids. Just um, to James's point earlier as well about this being a pilot episode, having a lot to recap. I mean, they really do work overtime in these first like 10 minutes or so. Like you have dialogue like, oh, hey, you're James Bond Jr. My dad is Felix Leiter and he worked with your uncle. It's like it's that, it's that mm-hmm. flat out expository. It's like they can't get through this stuff quick enough because they have this whole team of people, including yeah. Tracy here. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Milbanks, mm. daughter of the principal. Your uncle married somebody called Tracy. Oh, sh- oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Phoebe, who is, uh, I guess, the money penny role. Oh, we're supposed to yeah. think of her as that in that James is oh, never it, interested in her romantically. It, it's Velma from Scooby-Doo. Mm. Yes. <laughs> with, 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 after she colored her hair, but... Uh, <laughs> And I, I watched this again last night just to remind myself of it. This scene, they're just playing soccer outside. The 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 annoying character, which is in every series of this era, <laughs> isn't isn't in uniform. And this sequence poses absolutely no purpose whatsoever just to get a binocular shot of the villain <laughs> and also to establish you know further establish trevor noseworthy as a as a right rotten piece of work don't like him because he's rich and snooty 
but we never find out who he's related to. Mm. Reese Mogg. <laughs> <laughs> and he is Jaws, of course. Jaws, who's like like half cyborg uh, in mm. this. It's like, he's like... Um, was, well, they took it literally by giving him a metal jaw yeah. around the teeth. Mm. So... I like the fact that there's a dog rather than a cat. Yeah, like, right. And I like the fact that he's like an aggressive dog. Like, grrr, he's it's, constantly it's like, bull, he It's gets a bull mad. terrier. It's a bull mm-hmm. terrier. Can't, yeah. yeah. Blofeld's cat's just super chill. This dog is like this is This is why the UK passed the Dangerous Dogs Act. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're going to commercial, I think, uh, mm. the way the camera. Yeah, anytime you watch this and it fades out, that's a commercial break. <laughs> and this is where we get the plot because the scum lord wants to get the Aston Martin DB5 because there's some electromagnetic pulse technology inside it that he wants to get hold of or something. Uh, and they're obviously putting this right before the break because <laughs> stick around, and, kids, to find out what yeah. happens next. And, and, and James Bond Jr. parked the car with the uh, shield up in the back. <laughs> like he, didn't, that's right. he couldn't even flip the switch to lower it. Hmm. So a view to a kill mentions EMP. Um, a few years later, James Bond Jr.'s pilot episode is EMP, and then we get it in Goldeneye. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somebody- with, with, the, with, with the bullet screen, Bill, I reckon the reason he had to park it with that is so we could tell that that was the Aston Martin because the um, you can't really tell from the drawing, can you? No. No. It looked like a BMW to me. <laughs> Send it back. It doesn't look like an Aston Martin yet. <laughs> it's quite a hose. <laughs> Just saying. I want, I want sprinklers like that. Like, um, yeah. oh, well, we, we've got them in our lawn. <laughs> it's it's so very funny when they go on and the dog's on the lawn. Mm. And when you have a snooty rich kid in a tree and it <laughs> gets him out. Yeah. And, and, and they build the school right on the edge of the cliff. Right. I, I was about to say, the school is not uh, near a uh, paved road. Uh, <laughs> it's just built out in the middle of nowhere. Tire squeals on the sand. Because mm. it's James Bond. Good trash. Oh, 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 trust me. That that goes back decades. Uh, well, I know. <laughs> so it's, it's continuity, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's, it's all those sound editors working. You know, it's like, eh, cars on the sand. and eh, I'm going to put it, put the sound effect in anyway. I think it's safe to say that none of the previous artists in LA that worked on this had been to England. Yes. No. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks very sort of Southern oh. Californian town, this <laughs> English Hamlet. It's it's like Howard Hawks once said, in any movie you create your own geography. So, <laughs> I mean, that's why to hotwire a car. I'm just going to chomp on it. Don't try that at home, kids. It doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> Oh, so they've just kidnapped Tracy unwittingly. <laughs> so we're going to wait yeah. around. <laughs> I was about to say, it's not like James Bond Jr. and IQ like can actually come up with a plan right away. 
oh, we'll just wait for our friends to arrive. Then we'll come up with something. <laughs> well, this is the interesting thing about it's actually it. It's literally the Scooby Wagon now. Mm. <laughs> it's literally the Scooby Well, this is exactly it because they need to give, they feel like they need to give Bond Jr. this ensemble, which is obviously very different to the film series, which is, you know, he has his recurring characters, MQ, Money Penny, but they're only, you know, they're for like five minutes and then he goes off and there's a new cast of characters every time. Obviously, for this, even though they do tend to bring in new characters every episode, they do give him this core group which uh it leads it to being a bit clunky i think because each one of them needs to be serviced in some way they need to get lines and moments each one of them has to have a couple of moments an episode so it does end up feeling quite packed in a way well that's um, what made me think about harry potter which had a core group mm. and, you know, and they're all young people and and whatnot and again this More is fucking cliffs. this is like seven or eight years before the first harry potter novel was published so it's not it wasn't a direct swipe by anything but it's by any means but it's like it's the same dynamic um sort of but that was common with cartoons at the time whether we call it a heroic collective or an ensemble you know all the cartoons that we talked about at the beginning you know like ghostbusters um i think x-men was out around this time i'm trying to think of all the yes. like thundercats well, all the things that i grew up know, watching but they're all about groups of of well, different characters working together and i think that works best. better in a, in a cartoon version well that's so I, that you can set multiple action figures right, mm. oh, but, right. But it, i was about to say but a year later there was a big change with the batman cartoon that uh ran on mm. fox because that was like Yes, you'd have Robin in a few episodes, but it was mostly Batman by himself, and they had the same theme music as, you know, from the film. So, um, anyway, just- it's a brilliant show that that Batman animated series. I I, I have the Blu-ray. Oh. I think it's the best version of Batman that has yeah. ever existed. I, it's yeah. phenomenal. I I agree. I I absolutely agree on that because it 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 um, it doesn't go too dark. It doesn't go too light. It really goes right down the middle and mm. it all and they also did episodes based on specific comic book stories and mm. there's this i worked with a guy who did some of the incident and voices on that show ah. hmm. yeah he would like leave his office at four and nip over to wb to go record his <laughs> <laughs> well and i think that that show is really interesting when compared to this because a, a criticism of this show james one jr is that it feels quite dated and it's kind of hard to contextualize it now but yes i mean when you compare it to something like batman which had so much more artistry and imagination and really upped the production value staging lighting character design all of these things james one jr it is hard to sort of think that this was early 90s because it does feel like it belongs more with transformers and gi joe and they were about eight years before this still Some, yeah something like that yeah mid 80s call yeah it. yeah so it, it it does feel quite dated in that respect, and I yeah, uh, I, I always think this is an '80s show, and it's not. It's a '90s show. Yeah, from some of the angles, the Aston Martin is like really angular, and from other angles, it's like curved. It's like different background <laughs> right, artists right at different days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the trunk that's very angular. Um. Jaws talks a lot mm. as well. He can't shut up. <laughs> well, he, he discovered his love of talking at the end of Moonraker. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah, suppo- that explains Supposedly it. that operation to install his steel teeth, like uh, he couldn't talk after that, but I guess he like kept trying. <laughs> this is a huge trunk in the back of the Astrobot. I mean, they're sitting upright, and, you know. <laughs> oh, and this is a big plane, too. It's like... 
I see what they're trying to do with Scumlord. Obviously, they're trying to keep him in like what looks like a shadow, but it just—he's just like a purple man. Yeah, I was about to say the dog is like pretty tame now. He was supposed to be kind of like vicious earlier, but no, he's just. Yeah, but he, it's just—it's just like they've just swapped out a cat for a dog. It's—it's—it's it's, it's so. Uh... <laughs> Weird. Well, well, there was once a, a spy parody show in the late 70s where the villain had a pet poodle instead of a cat. The villain was played by Robert Culp. It's pretty funny, but uh, anyway. Well, uh, Dr. Claw, or whatever his name was in Inspector Gadget, he had a cat, didn't he? Uh, and was it was actually a much better sort of animated version of Blofeld than Scumlord is in this, which is interesting. You know, you don't Thank see his face. All that. It's also interesting. The uh, Aston Martin has uh, lap belts. Hmm. Don't usually see that in the films. <laughs> well, gee, that flight conversion that we showed in the pre-title sequence. Too bad that doesn't work now because <laughs> yeah. that would be easy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here comes Jaws. So, was the end of Die Another Day based on this? <laughs> it just begs the question, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. But also, if, Jaws has rather car, short trousers. If the trousers. car goes flying out and then ends up uh, face down in the ground but is intact, then definitely. <laughs> did, did Jaws just smother the uh, dog? Yeah, I was going to say that's in-flight service he didn't ask for. Um, the One of the Bond 17 treatments, again, written at the same time as this, had the Aston Martin being chased by a tricked out car, which was also none of the day. And Bond wins by driving off a cliff and ejecting himself. So the other car follows him, which is pretty much what happens also. Die of the day. Jaws' mm. trousers are like two inches too short. Like, I told you the see. socks. He's mm. got like yellow socks. <laughs> yellow I, socks and they droop. And so like you see like his, you know, almost up to his calves. Mm. Uh, I, I bet he got them from oh the God, store that, though. Oh man. <laughs> James Bond Jr. just whacked Jaws in the uh, uncomfortable portion. I do think that's like a nice little bit of character design that Jaws is, you know, that he obviously can't get clothes to sort of fit him because he's so tall. So uh, there is that detail. It's uh, well, well, there's but there's big and tall stores all over, um, all over yeah. the world. It wasn't a problem for him in the films. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, remote control car as well. Tomorrow never dies. see the genesis oh, of the Brosnan era in the show, can't you? <laughs> the, dog is, the dog is scared. Time to face gravity. <laughs> but the parachute out without the Aston. I can't remember what happens into here. The, into the desert. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, those popular deserts down in Kent. Uh, <laughs> oh, of course. But Jaws jumps out without a parachute, but of course yeah. he survives. Why, um, why didn't they use a circus tent? <laughs> yeah, I'd be two on the nose day. It's hmm. kind of shaped like one. Uh, it reminds me more of the, the 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 house in Italy that he crashes through. Yeah, yes. Like a combo of that and a circus tent. That's basically what you got. Well, they've got 65 episodes. They're going to have Jaws landing in all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> Be a bowl of jello by, by episode 30. This is this just is a, a, view to a, a side quest. A view to a kill nod about him being already in his room. Right? But like, how is he 
doing all of his homework. Like I get this. And this is my <laughs> issue with everything. I'm a professor. Look, this is my issue with every high school show, every cartoon, you know, like these kids should be doing their homework. And yet he's gallivanting everywhere. There's no way he can keep up his grades and learn the material. I just find that to be so incredibly unrealistic. I know it's a cartoon, <laughs> but that's just my broader comment about like all the shows that are out there. And I'm like, you should like, who has time to do this? Like that's, I don't know. I don't know anybody who lives that life and still gets like a 4.0 GPA. Just throwing he's it out a, there. He's a genius. Apparently. <laughs> well, standards are just so low. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't tell you what grade he was in. He could have been in third grade. <laughs> right. Could have been held back. That's right. He was remedial. <laughs> <laughs> so we learned at the end that the car didn't have the EMP thing in any way. The whole thing was a complete waste of time. The Aston Martin's gone. By the way, here's your new car. <laughs> Which you can also buy, and we don't have to pay Aston Martin anything. So Yeah, funny that. When the when the when the models came out, they weren't branded. Yeah. <laughs> but who puts orange seats in like a reddish car? Well his uncle. His uncle. Red does test well um toy wise. Uh so I'm assuming that that was like bold you know, red, blue, and I'm assuming that that's why James Bond Jr.'s, you know, his like t-shirt is red, he's got blue trousers. It's they're very popular colours toy wise. But like the orange seats in a red car though? <laughs> My I got an early German smart car that was red with orange seats. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Serial number 13. <laughs> <laughs> and some good voices on this show, just by the way. Like James Bond Jr. is voiced by Corey Burton, who's had a really good long career. Yeah. Uh, IQ is Jeff Bennett. Uh, similar. Brian Stokes Mitchell voices uh, the teaching assistant. It's a really good voice cast on this show. And Corey told us when we interviewed him that he almost got fired. Oh. <laughs> halfway through the show because halfway through like they're on episode 30 something he told us and um mm. it wasn't quote quote it was a crap episode mm. and um cubby broccoli came in to watch the production recording mm. and Corey went up to cubby and basically said i'm paraphrasing now but it's in the interview we published like i hope you know i wish we had had a better show for you today kind of line because mm. it was kind of clunky and um Apparently, Broccoli was like all gracious and everything. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. You did great. It was fun, blah, 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 blah. Well, anyway, production supervisor heard this conversation, took it up to management, and said that he was demeaning the show in front of the owners. Oof. Yeah. Mm. And then we're going to replace him. <laughs> and his comment to us was like, great. <laughs> <laughs> his career had moved on. He was 35 at that time that he was recording Chase Bond Jr. Mm. Wow. Hmm. Hmm. So, David, Bill, what do you think? Uh, well, uh, God, I don't, I don't really know what to make of this at all. Uh, it's, uh, it's distinctly odd. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, for a pilot episode, I think it is one of the weakest episodes to start off with because it, it moves so quickly and there's so much they try to introduce you to everyone that it, 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 it feels a bit too stuffed. I feel like some of the later episodes are actually better to kind yeah. of gauge what's going on because the characters I mean, are all archetypes anyway. So, so, so far, the, the only thing that uh, kind of links it to, to Bond is the Aston Martin uh, I, there's, there's nothing else in there that really makes me feel that it's Bond. Uh, the comma of hair? 
and the puns and the quips are terrible, by the way. It's uh, it's, it's it's kind of very very generic, crappy cartoon for me so far. But maybe it'll get better. Or turn it around. <laughs> episode we got two. one more episode to go. I wrote up episode one some years ago, and I got to like two pages of mistakes in it, and I stopped. <laughs> Just some continuity errors and all sorts of logic, mm-hmm. logic issues. All right, so if you're playing at home, here are some things <clears throat> I spotted. Oh, we did spot the EMP from GoldenEye. We did spot the remote control from Tomorrow Never Dies. At one point during the fight with Jaws, the Aston Martin switches from a four-door sedan to a two-door sports car. Hmm. Tracy somehow knew Jaws's name. <laughs> I guess she's well briefed by the villains of Scum. <laughs> well, uh, mm-hmm. she just needed to look at him. It was obvious. <laughs> there is a major plot point because Junior doesn't. Junior knows about the EMP generator. However, it's not in his car. Hmm. So why would he think it is when it's not? And that's why Scum wants to steal it. Mm. Um, the car's got no license plate. Yeah, the, 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 the plot didn't really figure for me. And the novelization of this episode was called A View to a Thrill. Hmm. Which I think has been an overused pun. So, like, what was the point of having the EMP in the car? Like, what? There wasn't an EMP in no, the car. No, but the assumption was that there was. And, like, why, well, why would you put it in the car of a, a high schooler? Right, because it will destroy computers within fifty mile radius yeah. and send England into recession. Yeah, you give that to a high school kid. Yeah, that's, that's I think the, the to me that's the weakness what of could the go plot. Wrong? Yeah, like why why is this happening? Like this makes no sense. And I'm just gonna randomly park it just in a regular parking lot. It's not even like a covered car park. There's no like security to get in. You know what I mean? Just like the logic of it doesn't fully. It, it, well, yeah, I, I don't get there. I, I don't want to go too far down the how to fix James Bond Jr., but he could have just been borrowing his uncle's sure. car. Mm-hmm. Right? Perfect. Borrowing my uncle's car. Yeah. Done. Yeah, and you don't need <laughs> See, you, you is... don't need kids to tank the economy. You, adults can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the costuming? Uh, what costuming? Uh, I think this goes to your point, David, about it being generic. I mean, they could have made him look like Bond a bit. Couldn't they? Well, well, you know what they're probably doing? They're dressing it so they can appear that way in multiple episodes and keep the cost down. I mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't think it costs any more to change the color of the show. It, 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 it costs more to like redraw the clothes. Mm, like, okay, true. like, okay, so like, okay, going all the way back to 1964 the Johnny Quest cartoon. Why does Johnny wear a black turtleneck and blue jeans? Because it's easier to draw it and save, you know, not, not have to do new drawings that way. I mean, that's, I mean, in fact, that happened with live action TV. Dragnet, why does uh, Joe Friday wear like a light blue sport coat and dark pants? Because that way they could like wear the same clothes every episode and they have to worry about um, changing clothes. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a very common thing. I remember there was a TV show when I was growing up called The Weekenders, which is a long forgotten show now, but it was quite sort of revolutionary in a way because they were cartoon characters and they changed their clothes from day to day, which is quite unusual because you essentially have a character model sheet, which is what you send over to the animation studios in Korea right. or Vietnam or wherever they may be. And they look they look at those model sheets and that's what they 
draw from basically and if you have multiple model sheets for, depending on the costume or whatever then there's more opportunity for things to go wrong or whatever you get a scene that's not animated to the correct costume or, or whatever because there's various episodes going on at once uh so it's just easier it keeps the cost down in in the 1960s johnny quest was considered an expensive tv cartoon because there were shadows like you know, instead of just bright colors you know they actually like took the t- look took the trouble to have shadows um mm. on characters um yeah i mean that's i mean that's that's what's going on it's it all relates to cost and trying to make it as inexpensive as possible one of the really great things about the batman animated series just to bring that up again is that they they did the backgrounds on black paper which is why you had all of these great it's got such a noir sort of lots of shadows kind of vibe to it which is great because they did like i said they did it on black paper so uh, the black was the predominant sort of color mm. or lack of color or all the colors mm. whatever black is uh. Do you want to do episode two? Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I want to get it over right. with, I think. Earth. <laughs> so you guys haven't seen this one, Bill and David. You haven't no. seen this. Okay. I have not seen hey. number two. I saw most oh of my God. One. Oh, brilliant. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, word of warning, just like Quantum Solis, this episode like opens like right in the middle of like an action sequence with a character you haven't been introduced to yet and it's not explained until after the credit sequence okay so if you're watching it you're like hang on a minute i just missed five minutes no you didn't no you didn't <laughs> this is the mark forster episode Chase or, or, or fleming or fleming because that that was a that was a very usual fleming device in his books as well mm. Mm. I, I don't think they were tapping Fleming for this, though, to be fair. <laughs> <You think not? laughs> All right, has everybody got it open, ready to go? Yes. Um, I have it where I, I'm at one second of a Murak Wolf Swenson Inc. Yep, there we go. Okay. Title card. Yep. All right. In three, this is Earthcracker in three, two, one, play. <laughs> So as mentioned, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, truck. <laughs> and another dirt road. <laughs> yeah. And a tank. And a tank. Truck. <laughs> oh, my. And wait for it. Odd Who's that? job. Oh. It's MC Oddjob. <laughs> He's okay. wearing a sweatsuit so, 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 in the, the jewelry. <laughs> so, so, so did so Oddjob did decide he needed a uh, super villain costume uh, instead of a... <laughs> Oh, Craig, I love it. So we, we, don't, we don't know where they are. We, we have no idea where they are. I'm assuming it's England because there's mountains and desert and cliffs. And, <laughs> and, and IQ is uh, out there with his lab coat. Yeah, yes. and knows where he's just like tumbled down with a bag or something, which we don't know what it is. <laughs> it's is a it, hook. Yeah. Is it? And, and what? And one of the young women is wearing hot shorts, hot pants. There she is. Um, yeah. Is it me or the the picture seems a bit clearer, but the animation jerkier? Yeah. No, that's that's about right. And no. and the laser beam has a parabolic arc, which is you know uh-huh. how lasers work. Well, I, you'll notice that some of the character models are slightly different in this one to the one we first saw. Uh, whether that's because this was just done by a different animation studio, I know they probably had multiple ones uh, working on this stuff. So it's just how the animators interpret the the model sheets really 
And then we go into the Tartan Strange ones on top of a truck, which looks huge when he jumps yeah. on it. And then when it, the wide shot is like small again. But. Well, and again, the way he runs looks like cartoons of that era where they, it's not the most convincing running sequence, but. So what do we think about our jobs? Get up. I freaking love it. It's like, <laughs> well, Jack Kirby was alive. Did odd job like hire Jack Kirby? I need a new outfit, Jack. Oh, here I'll make some sketch purple jumpsuit with some gold <laughs> on chains. his necklace. He has OJ. That's what's actually written on the necklace. Oh my gosh! I need a figure of this. Like, <laughs> I've got one. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to the garage. I'm, I'm going to go to the garage this afternoon. Mason, send you some pictures. Oh least. my gosh! I'm the only there. figure that I have from this show, but I got it on eBay. <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought odd job was like one word, but apparently it's two. OJ is the He's got hat flicking action. I swear I'm Googling it right now. This is amazing. I want this so bad. And so, again, the school must be like near the English Channel because you can see the water from the uh, headmaster's uh, window. <laughs> it's like literally on the white cliffs of Dover, it seems. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like right there. But he's also got an American flag in his office for some reason. Oh, yeah. This, this British <laughs> principal of a boarding maybe, school. Maybe he has the NATO powers. Maybe there are other flags uh, well, in his office. He is. Well, he's XRAF, I think. I believe that's a detail of the character. Uh, this is my UPS shipping label. Watch out. <laughs> Odd job threw his hat. It went into a tree, but didn't do anything to the tree. So does he miss his hat? So he sticks a label for Puerto, which is a fictional place, on the tank and then drives it into the plane. I, you know, that's the best they could do yeah. for working out where it's going. Oh, boy. So Coach, who's this character here, is basically the uh, let him get away with it guy. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. The the sympathetic. Uh, the bridge between the principal and yeah. the student. And again, he's. And he's built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he's got a red phone. He's got a red phone. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's sort of the uh, the enabling uh, adult figure. I assume that he's in there because there will be situations in future, and there are in future episodes where they need a grown up to facilitate the the you know being right. in certain situations, whether it's on a field trip so or something. Buy them alcohol. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, wasn't one of the other students uh, kidnapped, and they, you know, James Bond Junior is like yes. relaxing on his yes. on his cot, like well, this yeah. character we weren't introduced to got kidnapped, and nobody seems to be that worried about it. Nah. <laughs> There's a map in that uh, in that room. <laughs> this is busy. eBay. Literally, I actually is. am. I'm literally going into PayPal right now to pay the no. figure. You know, um, here, in the, here in the U.S., there's a, a comedic actress named Leslie Jones who is of late doing um, in the pandemic doing uh, videos critiquing people in their you know who are doing interview news interviews in their home and doing the critique of their furniture and stuff so i'd love to hear her comments about this uh, <laughs> this thing iq what are you doing what is that thing what <laughs> and that's a camera that's a gold detector <laughs> God, it's know, got batteries. and it detects gold within 25 miles i mean Imagine what would happen to the world economy if that now, wait, existed. Is there a basketball mm-hmm. on that shelf uh, in mm-hmm. the background? Yes. Like, why, is, why do you put a college a- banner <laughs> in this UK school? Yes. Why do you put a basketball on the shelf? <laughs> I guess he's into it. Maybe that's a James Bond Jr. thing. 
or IQ, maybe IQ. I, yeah, I'm who trying knows? To figure out who's, whose bed that is? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes. So this gadget is basically knocked off in license to kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the headmaster's on the phone. What the am I doing? Phone? Yeah, the red phone. Red uh... phone. Yeah. Yeah, the, the prime minister's calling. He's going to go downstairs. <laughs> And the headmaster then walks awkwardly to the door. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're at like six frames a second of animation here, which is, yeah. Uh, yeah. But notice that the headmaster's got paintings of ships. Yeah. Like M. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Maybe that's a Michael G. Wilson touch. Mm. And they're probably going to, I think there's sort of like a connection with framing him kind of like the M, the M figure mm-hmm. of, of the, the show. Mm. He's like, he's like the Richard Harris uh, equivalent uh, in the Harry Potter films to this character. So there's a lemur, so I'm assuming we're in Kent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you can't tell from the backgrounds. Uh, I believe- the bombs in the background. I, yes. <laughs> it's exactly the same as England, except they're on on, the, on mules. Uh, I mean, it is expensive, like, for, particularly for uh, backgrounds. Like, you, you have cartoons that are set in, like, the same town or whatnot, because doing new backgrounds is expensive. So I, it is quite something that they try to do this kind of travel log kind of thing where they actually have James Bond Jr. going around the world and everything, despite, you know, you need a lot of new backgrounds for that. Um, he's, he's doing it within a horse ride of the school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, 20 miles a day range, mm-hmm. roughly? <laughs> Think about it. Think of the travel time. Nobody notices that, like, where they're going and how long they're, they're there. Like, they're, they're not in, in class. Peru. Yeah, like that's- and Peru. Peru would not be a direct flight from the UK either. No, so. this makes no sense. Nobody will notice we're gone to Peru, especially, especially from the cliffs of Dover. They'd have to like catch a flight from, from there to Heathrow, and then Heathrow. Well, there is an airport nearby because our job drives the tank on it. Right. Ah. But my point being is, like, you couldn't get a direct flight to Peru from there. The bananas are free. Take them. <laughs> These communist countries. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, and uh, IQ has worn his lab coat this entire trip. Uh, apparently, they did not bother to pack any clothes. <laughs> Are they going to wear sunscreen? They're going to come back tanned. They're come like, back how do you red, know, where have you been? Streets, I, I think. <laughs> so I think we missed it, but James Bond calls his mule money penny. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's nasty. <laughs> oh, uh, there was a uh, thing for uh, uh, for your eyes only. Hmm. The rope to the rock coming up the mountain. That gold detector. Or maybe not. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> There's odd job. He got a new hat. <laughs> Along with his super villain costume. Um what was that, a slingshot? He's taken out the. So that's the tracking device that he's. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh. Because you'd aim for the tail rotor. And he got. And he uh, has his uh, Dick Tracy two way wrist computer. Um, Q in the back. IQ in the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. 
Jesus. <laughs> so we're watching half a village get destroyed. If you're not watching along I was, with us, I was us. about to say that's like uh, that's like um, oh, all that building in Venice getting destroyed in Casino Royale, two thousand six. A whole mountain came down on the town, but nobody's hurt. That's what happens when IQ takes off his lab coat. <laughs> so he must have got out that he must have got out that bath real quick and got dressed. Put everything on. <laughs> tied the roof came in. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Oh dear. El Dorado. The El Dorado Hotel. So they're looking for the lost city of gold is the story. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Hence the El Dorado and the hotel name. Yeah. So that's one of Q's battery grenades. Okay, look at looking for treasure. Looking for treasure. That was one of Ian Fleming's uh, uh, obsessions when he was a kid. So uh, this yes. links, this links to Ian Fleming. I think we're giving it too much credit, David. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David's into it. Let's let's keep him in it. Come on, bear in mind that. <laughs> keep him motivated. Meanwhile, the popular, popular kids show at the time was the Lost City of Gold. Meanwhile, the headmaster has like really broad shoulders. He must be like working out a lot. Um, <laughs> XRAF, right? And the cave is now blocked up again. Even though, no, it's not. It's open again. Go figure. Save the background drawing, I guess. <laughs> well, these things. I mean, and, these things do come back from like if the animatic isn't clear enough, and then the animation studio right. just you know they they don't necessarily work on all the shots in order or the same animator no. working on the same scene. So this is the kind of stuff that comes back. It's wrong. It's however many hundreds or thousands of dollars. So yeah, it just leads through. Oh, okay, so we have Goldfinger now, right? Yes. Yes. Because that laser cannon. He's got blonde hair. And the uh, girl in uh, the hot pants. Well, it turns out that the girl is the guy, the um, archaeologist's daughter. Mm. Okay. Because, you know. Well, wait a minute. Didn't Goldfinger get killed on the plane at the end of Goldfinger? No. I guess. Nobody gets killed in the show, Bill. Oh, and everybody comes back from the dead. I guess not. <laughs> Just. You're not supposed to think about that. I think that. James Bond Jr. isn't exactly canonical. <laughs> but Goldfinger does have a diorama similar to what he has in the film, which yes. is a nice touch. <laughs> oh yeah, this is my model. Like, later, later in the episode, when his army arrives, he says, "Okay, you're all here now. Now I will explain my plan to you." Grief. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? The thugs were like working on spec. Like, oh, what are we doing here? Oh, Goldfinger will explain it to us when we get there. <laughs> oh. So he's looking for the city of gold and he's going to destroy parts of the village until he finds it, until they tell him, because apparently he knows. It's kind of inefficient. Our job's got taller as well. Yeah. That's okay. In the in the uh, movie uh, Goldfinger, Odd Job like, lost 80 pounds and gained it back and all in one scene. So. Hmm. <laughs> Still digging the sweatsuit. I mean, I'm. And, and the, it's, the, it's the fingerless gloves, oh, right? That does gosh, it. Oh, yeah, gosh. Yeah. So this is so amazing. <laughs> right. Look how big that gun is in that shot, right? It's like the size of a house. And then yeah. you'll get the reverse angle in a minute. Look, this, this guy here looks like Tom Selleck. Yeah. Right. And now it's a little tiny gun. <laughs> yeah, but from her point of view in that situation, it looks like a house. <laughs> Yeah, it's just very close to her face. Yeah. <laughs> it's a point of view shot. Oh. So it's a it's a laser beam 
that shoots ultrasound. Oh, gosh. Which, which means it's not a laser beam, but go ahead. Right. <laughs> it's visible <laughs> ultrasound. Yeah. Oh. And what's the point of it? It cracks the earth. Oh, okay. Is that James Ron so, Jr. was up on the court? So, like, mm-hmm. start running, James. Like, you know, don't just stare at it. <laughs> the, the spec sheet for this was actually you, you weren't allowed as a writer to put the core characters in any actual danger. Mm. So that's why the, the guest appearances are the ones that are always under threat. <laughs> Can you imagine the if they did that to the main series? Right. <laughs> Our job with his headphones. Hmm. I love it so much. I mean, it's kind of cool. You know, it, it's sort of making more of the, I mean, Goldfinger and Oddjob are a better sort of, uh, you know, reversioning of the film characters than Jaws was, I think. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. they've got Goldfinger yeah. has a laser beam, he has his diorama, Oddjob has his hats, you well, know. Well, well, Goldfinger, like, was cle- clearly had inspiration from the pulps. Mm. Uh, pulps of the early 30s, mostly text publications that were, like, pretty fantastic. And so, I, I, I mean, the novel Goldfinger is like pretty out there, and then the movie Goldfinger was like way out there. So the cartoon is like not that much further out there mm. than than was already established. So, I mean, essentially, you've given uh, Odd Job a costume instead of a butler suit. Um, you know, whatever. It's it's oh, look at that chain again, OJ. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and shorts are not a good look on Goldfinger. Just but saying. But the socks again, hey. Yeah, he's, he's got he's got knee, he's got knee high socks. So like, so like Jaws had like short socks. Man. But Goldfinger, so if, if, if they do socks. a new season of James Bond Junior, Kerry mm-hmm. Fukunaga won't have anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, they have a lot of lasers. They've got a tank, a jeep, the the Gatling gun thing. Goldfinger. So Goldfinger's been... just—he's just rumbled that he's James Bond Junior, mm-hmm. not some just pesky kid. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one good line. <laughs> there is one good line in this, and when um, James Bond Junior says, "Goldfinger, wait." And Goldfinger says, "Not this time. <laughs> like, I'm not going to get fooled by that one again." Uh, I think Goldfinger's pretty good in this. Like, I think some of his lines are quite nice. Uh, he's a much more fun villain than uh, Scum Lord. Well, well, like I said, I think Goldfinger lends himself to a cartoon much better than a lot of Bond villains would. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> So they found the lost city of gold. So Goldfinger's been looking, but here James Bond Jr. and his friends found it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they're going to melt it down, mm. just like it was, you know, a candle. These <laughs> <laughs> what hundred and twenty foot gold statues. <laughs> a couple of minutes, yeah. 
But I do like the fact that the thread is again like a laser pointer of some hmm. sort, even though oh, it's not look, necessarily going look, to. Look, it was goals. like drops there at the end. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the goons just tossing <laughs> these like things around. Jesus. Yeah, I thought it was pizza. But can you imagine what would have this have been like if John Barry could do the music? Oh, this let's would be not, brilliant. Let's not think about that. But uh, <laughs> this would be so dramatic. And Odd Job has a bit of a cynical sense of humor, tipping his hat to James Bond Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how your um the, the the quote that you gave us, like Goldfinger wait not this time, and it comes up on the captions as Goldfinger wait Nazi time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, what? Cure it too. <laughs> My thoughts precisely. <laughs> and uh, Gordo and Phoebe obviously aren't in this what? episode what? either. This is so Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't it? Mm. They're trying to push that pile of rocks by themselves? What? If only they had a grenade. Mm. Now, wait, is this. Now, is this an homage to the Red Beret with all the Goldfinger thugs with the Red Berets on? Sorry, inside joke about the uh, Irving Allen, uh, Albert R. Broccoli era. It's great just to have all the stuff in your pocket just right there. <laughs> Perfect. That's why he always wears the uh, the lab coat because mm-hmm. he has lots of pockets, <laughs> more more pockets to store stuff. It's a lot of oh. rock slides in this. That's worth pointing out that IQ and uh, Tracy got up there by walking, but James Bond Jr. had to rock climb. <laughs> uh, James Bond Jr. gets his bat rope out. <laughs> James Bond Jr. is about to get melted down. Mm. That is a strong watch that pulls the entire <laughs> statue. He's not even holding on to the statue. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just pulls him. It's like, <laughs> go, go, gadget feet. <laughs> like, at least if you would have wrapped like, it around the neck. This is Gold Knight. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's Spider Man as well, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. It's very, the pit on with the belt. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah Golden Eye, and uh, but the world is not enough as well with the, the grapple watch. He can't get over his costume. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have like been a fly on the wall of that design meeting. Of, uh, we need to make also, him more contemporary. Also, uh, our job <laughs> with his haircut has those uh, bald spots on the uh, side of his head. No, I think they're shaven in. Well, yeah. I, I get it. Yes, yeah. that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, oh. okay, so he got a new haircut. In mm. addition to getting his costume, he decided to go in for a makeover, a serious makeover after mm. uh, Goldfinger. And here's the whole village. <laughs> so James Bond Jr. destroys the whole frigging town. Mm. Like the whole town. But without killing anybody. Um, right. There is like one shot that we just saw of like one of Goldfinger's goons is sort of like on his side on the floor as Goldfinger runs away. And that, that's about as close as you can get to sort of saying that, oh, someone died in uh, in something like James that. Virginia. He was mildly just, hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> expect to see a shot of them like rubbing their head with a dust or something. Yeah. Yeah. He had some bruises on his leg or yeah. his arms. <laughs> So James Bond Jr. has been at uh, the Brit Award goes to. 
Billie Eilish for... <laughs> IQ, you're the one who really saved the day. You deserve all the credit. Huh. Yeah, this girl that I met in the pre-tart sequence for 30 seconds is all jealous and shit. Mm. <laughs> and they do this weird thing where they feel like they have to do the whole sort of like Bond girl thing and have like a different sort of female character every episode. But then Tracy's kind of his girlfriend, but then she ends up playing this kind of sort of like, you know, pissed off sort of girlfriend character. And it's it's very strange, really. Uh yeah. yeah, and I was—I mean, I always likened it to Tracy Bond and utilizing that as sort of yes. the, the reference and the connection there. Yeah, mm. like she's still always the one for him, right? She's always there. Mm. Remind me how many episodes there are. We've got another sixty-three to go. <laughs> and we're doing them all today, David. <laughs> Buckle up. There is an episode called "No Time to Lose." Oh. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. So mistakes. How many of these? We talked about the lasers using ultrasound, which makes no sense. <laughs> hmm. We talked about climbing the cave and the cave being blocked and the not being blocked. Um, well, geography in, geography in general is kind of dicey on this show. But, uh. <laughs> Bond, Bond, these are notes I made some years ago. Bond spends time filming Goldfinger and his operation despite being told by IQ earlier that the augmented camera contains no tape for recording. <laughs> did, did you make notes on every episode? Uh, no, I got to like episode eight. Oh. <laughs> and then thought life's too short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life's too short. I, I'm, I'm less worried now. <laughs> yeah. The fictional city of Porto translates to port, despite there being no water or port. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe they meant the drink port. It could be Aeropuerto. Uh, anyway, uh, that yeah, there's just yeah. I don't think it's worth pulling the continuity too too no. far apart on this. No, no, no. Maybe all. there was an um, inland sea at some stage. Well, well, maybe we should talk about the intent of this cartoon, we, which we touched upon. I mean, like James, as you said in the beginning, this was at the start of the long hiatus, and this was an attempt to bring in a new audience. Um. What was the reaction back at Eon HQ? I think we know that Barbara Broccoli didn't care for it, but did they kind of assess it as it went along? What uh, What does your research show? The ratings were good. The merchandise made quite a lot of money. And Barbara Broccoli hated it. Hmm. Yeah, I would have loved. So, to, I would have loved to hear the conversation between her and uh, Michael about this. <laughs> Well, Barbara, this was a chance to get a new audience. Shop, Michael. Um. <laughs> I think it probably did do a bit. I mean, Lisa talked about, you know, watching it as a kid and everything. And I think mm-hmm. it is particularly at this era of Bond, 1991, 1992, where there was a bit of drought in the films coming out. I think it's good to keep the brand alive in some way. And marketing Bond to kids is always such a difficult tricky kind of thing anyway even though all of us you know have memories of watching it with uh you know family members or whatever uh it, it is still a, a, a an odd thing to sort of market to children this womanizing well, heavy drinker 
killing people. Well, uh, I, I forget if this was James who tweeted this out or somebody else, but it was like a copy of the Sears 1965 racing set yeah. with a kid with Sean Connery kind of like over his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, and the kid's all excited and Bond's just kind of really calm and not really reacting very much <laughs> to the racing set. But I think there's a more current manifestation of like doing this type of approach. So I, I have always said like James Bond Jr. is a great way to, in a sense, socialize new younger audiences to uh, just some of the characters and a bit of the flavor of Bond. And I also think mm. that other examples where the Bond formula is used is a good way of doing it. But there's also Special Agent Oso, which is a Disney. Mm-hmm. Is it Disney? Um, um, yes, yeah, on Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon over here. My and my little guy I used to be really into that show a couple of years ago, and every episode is a James Bond title pun. Yeah, and it pl- every one it plays them. on oh. it, and there's like songs, and and, and I, I like it because my nephew we used to watch it together, and it's got a little bit of a lesson, and but it's also right. a way to like the parents can laugh along, and they sort of get the Bond references, but you're also in many ways socializing younger people to appreciate those kinds of elements and. You know, it's it's this question of like, is taste organically formed or is taste something that's socialized? And I think it's a combination of two things that you like and things mm-hmm. that you've seen. And so we, we never live in a vacuum or a bubble. But I think that this did, I, I think it served its purpose. I mean, I, I remember this, you know, quite fondly in this gap between Bond films. And I think it had an impact then. And I think that that shows like Special Agent Oso are, are doing it again. Well, I mean, you know, a question that comes up for discussion ever, ever so often is like, could you do a full fledged James Bond Lego film? And there'd be like, you know, and and there are these things where it's like this guy and his two kids have done like two or three of these videos where they took take a scene from an existing film. I think they started out with Thunderball with Bond escaping on the jetpack and then they had Living Daylights and whatnot. But those are just scenes. They're they're not. Yeah. Do you mean doing a full stop motion, Bill? Or do you mean like doing the animated series, which that shows which full, and films full stop mo- motion? Like, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, they, like several years ago, uh, Warner Brothers did a Batman. Um, yeah, that was animated. Like, wasn't, yeah, stop and and it looked like stop motion, and the thing it was, was, it was pretty funny. It's like, I mean, it was actually. I actually probably enjoyed it more than a lot of Batman. It's films. the best Batman <laughs> film. Just I'm yeah. that's yeah. a controversial opinion, but it's Lobster the best. Thermidor every night, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, Lego did enter into preliminary discussions with you some years ago, and uh, the issue came up that they couldn't have a Lego minifig pointing a gun at somebody. Uh, Eon wouldn't allow it to have a kid's toy with Bond pointing a gun. And so that got abandoned, but Lego flipped it into the Agents series of Lego the year after. Mm-hmm. So they they kind of did it anyway. They just didn't use the bond license. Okay. And I mean, that's not uncommon. Like that is, I mean, in general, I mean, we see it in James Bond Jr. It's all, it's a lot of lasers. Even the tank was firing lasers. It's like, you don't, as a general rule, have, you know, realistic looking guns, unless it's kind of like a laser, something very fantastical. Um, I noticed that a couple of Goldfinger's henchmen in this did have guns. And at one point, there was a character who sort of quickly holstered one. And I do wonder if that sequence was originally slightly longer and he was pointing at Tracy, but they had to cut it for the sensor or whatever. Um, But there are, you know, universal sensitivities about that kind of thing. So, and again, that's why it's difficult to make a kid specific uh, Bond product. So 
given your professional animation background, Calvin, mm-hmm. how much of this is like clenching your teeth when you're watching it, just in the production value? <laughs> uh, well, like like you said, I think production value wise, it is it it, it is uh, yeah, it was it was uh, old fashioned even when it came out. I think if you look through the history of these things and. Um, I think maybe it could have done with maybe a bit more style, a bit more kind of like Ken Adam influence in a lot of the background designs and stuff. And oh, I think that's a good point. Yeah, there is like space to do it, because if you just take a still from well, even with Odd Job or Jaws in it or Scumlord or whatever, I think if you just took a still from an episode and showed it to someone who had no idea what it was, there's very little here to identify it as a James Bond property. And I think doing a bit more of that would have helped an awful lot. Um, I, I, I can certainly forgive some of the animation errors here and there, the frame, you know, rate and all that kind of stuff, because a part of that is just part and parcel of what was, you know, standard at the time. Uh, but even then, it was still a few years out of date, maybe. And I wish that they'd put a bit more into the design to uh, yeah, evoke you know- more of more James Bond. <laughs> I was about to say, if this had come out, say, two years later, after that 1992 Batman cartoon, might that have caused them to up their game a bit? Mm. Because that 92 Batman cartoon showed what was possible, given the the general cost limitations and whatnot. But Mm. it's like like a lot better than James Bond Jr. And, and, And they actually dug into the the source material with specific episodes. So like if this had come out, as I said, it's say 93, 94, maybe this would have been better. Maybe been more like a James Bond film. I don't know. Yeah, mm. I'm just tossing it out there. It just occurred to me while we were chatting, to be mm. honest. No, I think, I think you're quite right actually, because that series was really uh, important for Batman, particularly in the nineties. Uh, and, and even today, like DC animation, it's still going quite strong and they still get back some of those voice actors from the nineties, Kevin Conroy, who voiced Batman, they still right. bring him back. And a lot of the style of those, I mean, they even age up a little bit for some of the director, uh, you know, director home features that they do. Um, Whereas, yeah, James Bond Jr. is sort of more of a footnote of the the Bond series, really. Can, can I just return to what you were saying about, um, you know, ha- having some kind of uh, Ken Adam uh, influence? It, what, I, I I said something. I, I think it was about the the first episode that it was very it looked very generic, and that that's the thing that or that's one of the things that would have actually made it stylistically very very different and set it apart from from other cartoons of the era i i think because mm. i i kind of hate this style of animation um you know i i i was brought up with you know, watching tom and jerry and and the disney films mm. in, in fact my first ever ever movie w- was the jungle book which uh w- was fantastic seeing it on the big screen so um mm. it, it's not that i, I don't appreciate animation but this, this style i don't like uh it just it just reminds me of all the kind of crappy stuff that they used to put on on tv when when you got home from school which is what it was right but which is what it was yeah but but yeah, yeah but but having ha- having a background that was uh, you know a bit uh ken adam uh esque I, I think would would make a huge difference to it. It, mm. it. it would it would start to say, yeah, this is something to do with Bond. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 
and, and another thing I want to say, actually, Calvin, is your 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 input, uh, your your perspective is, is is very useful as well. Oh, cool. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think I, I was already, my career is in TV animation. So yeah, no, at this no, kind of uh, stuff really does uh, appeal to me. <laughs> no, no, I, I, absolutely. And it, it, it's useful to, to have that that insider info. Yeah. And uh, have a uh, get some, some feedback from somebody who actually knows what they're talking about. It, it's a big sort of hole in my uh, working life so far that I've never like come across someone like a writer who actually worked on this. I keep hoping that one day I'm going to be at some event and it's like, oh yeah, I did backgrounds on that thing. I can be like, ah. <laughs> Kent doesn't look like that. <laughs> I've got some notes for you 30 years on. <laughs> well, I've I've brought up the um, Johnny Quest, and when I talk about Johnny Quest, I'm talking about the original '64 to '65 cartoon, not the various revivals afterwards. Because Johnny Quest was was made because of Bond. What happened was Joseph Barbera saw Doctor No and said, "We have to get in on this." So, like, how do we get in on this? Well, Johnny Quest was the result, and it it was a, like a really intense experiment where. The characters are like mostly drawn realistically, except you have a clearly cartoon dog. Um, and then sometimes you have animators who are like, you know, like working on stuff like the Flintstones. <laughs> and so some of their animation doesn't quite carry over mm. in certain sequences on on Johnny Quest episodes. But um, but yeah, I mean, it has been done. What makes the original Johnny Quest different was it was shown in prime time it wasn't you know afternoon after school and so like um the character of race bannon who was like the government bodyguard is like you know like he's the badass guy with the license to kill and like you know when people went down in johnny quest they stayed down they you know they didn't just you know uh come back to life they they were they were gone and mm. uh it's but that's like but that's like catching lightning in a bottle it's really hard to do and you know, like i'm even today i'm not sure you could capture that same kind of quality um um on one website it was ranked the 44th show of 1991 hmm. home improvement was number one <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it, it, home improvement, the version of how to, how to turn your home into a, a Ken Adams set. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, on IMDb, the show is rated um, 6.1, which is not terrible. No, it's, yeah. And some of the episodes individually on IMDb get eight ratings. <laughs> okay. That's me, sorry. <laughs> so I do know of a couple of people who got into Bond through this show, which is hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> kind but, of, yeah. But no. it's like finding... Well, yes and no, because, no. I mean, there was a Bond drought at the time. And mm. like, so this would be like the only way to get into it if you weren't familiar with everything that had happened before. You don't think that if there was a cartoon on James Bond, you know, in between Spectre and No Time to Die, whenever it's coming out, that people wouldn't have watched it, even if it wasn't the greatest animation. I think people would have eaten it up. And then I, 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 I've got this fantastic um, vision in my mind of somebody going to 
see Goldeneye thinking that it was going to be a live action James Bond Jr. The couple of people I'm thinking of hadn't seen a film. You know, uh, Brosnan's hair in Goldeneye isn't that much different than James Bond Jr.'s. I said that. Yes. 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 Just the mullet. The mullet part, yeah. That's all it takes. <laughs> I think if, if if it if it gave if those two fans are the only fans that it gained the franchise, then it was well worth doing. <laughs> <It's> worth, yeah. <laughs> Multi-million dollar production, uh, yeah, with hundreds of people. Hey, hey, who, who is it? Who is it? Are you going to name them? I, I don't. I don't want to name them because I don't think they've made it public. No, I'm joking. <laughs> what, what? Names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> To protect the guilty. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, Is there anyone we know? Maybe. I was like, why Ben's not here? Mm. And oh, Phil. And Phil. Ben Phil, that's They're not here to defend themselves. <laughs> there you guilty. go. Phil and <laughs> Phil got into... Bond because of James Bond Jr. Mm. Wait, that, is no, the official, that is now the official story. Wait, mm. what? My, I'll put them, put, I'll, that'll be their byline <laughs> in the podcast credits. <laughs> David, so David, you hadn't seen this at all, right? No. So. I, have, I have now seen two episodes of James <laughs> Bond Jr., yeah. So, so, so what is the explanation? How is he Bond's nephew? Is there isn't an explanation. You were told not to ask about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Sorry. Like I said, I, I, I was saying that that was the Eon line. That was the Eon line to the production. Like I said earlier, I have my own theory, which is like, well, Bond Bond got somebody pregnant, and it's like, oh, he's my nephew. It's it's kind of like the Shaft movies where Samuel L. Jackson first they said he was uh, the original Shaft's nephew, and then in, like in the most recent movie. No, I'm your son. Like, uh, or, or actually, the original chef says you used to like say I, you know, you were my nephew. You're my son. Why are you doing this? And it's like, uh, ah, the father. Yeah. Well, in in the in the book of uh, Thunderball, uh, Domino uh, passes herself off as the niece of Largo. I can't remember right. if she does that in the film or not, but uh, she does. She does because when Bond and um, Domino are dancing, he's Bond says, "I understand mm-hmm. you're Mr. Largo's niece." Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, in the very first script, uh, she, her name was Gabby, and I don't know what the hell was going on, but uh, but she had a she had a soft spot for young children because she couldn't have any. But that's a bit that fell by the wayside, thankfully. <laughs> The other thing is, I think I mentioned the start, is this to show you how Americanized this was, because all the production people, writers and everything were in the States, it's Junior JR, whereas if it was in England, it would be JNR. Right, junior. right, because you and junior in the UK is like not very common, right? Mm-hmm. But, you, at all. but you do see it in some of the uh, uh, Bond film titles, Winston Drury Jr., JNR. He was a right. casting guy or something in the 70s. Is, is he's got a credit in Live and Let Die and Maybe some others. I, I, I didn't know that, to be honest. I I I spend too much of my time reading the credits. About, no, the, about the, the 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 difference between the US and the, the UK uh, 
That's that's how I learned it was by reading the James Bond movie credits. So one to look forward to, David. Episode fifty-six, okay. Quantum Diamonds. It's called, it's called Quantum Diamonds. I I look forward to uh, getting to that one. I, no, I, I look forward to being at that point. <laughs> well, no time to die still won't have been released. Uh, wait, 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 you're, wait, did you say looking to Bean or looking for Jim Beam uh, at that point? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no arc through the series, um, really. So, mm. you know, if you dip in and out of the episodes, David, in random orders, you're not missing anything. Mm. As, as, was common. As, was syn- as was common with syndicated shows. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Was this time well spent, David? Or would you have rather had your evening doing something else? No, no, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Smack talking uh, James Bond Jr. No, I, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll, I'll do more episodes. Uh, Fun times. But that I, is a I, I, need, I, need to, I need to probably, I need to probably preload with wine. Next <laughs> preload, not even pre-game. I need to preload. It's like I said, it's like I said earlier. You got to get your IV ready. Um. Oh <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it, it's one of those things. I, 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 I may get into it as as we watch it. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, well, clearly Michael G. Wilson was committed to it. I mean, he lent his name to it, and it was mm-hmm. like, what did it say? Developed his idea. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Fun fact if you add up all the episodes, there's 23 and a half hours hmm. to go. Okay. So, that's the marathon to do, isn't it? <laughs> like, people doing all the Bond films back to back, that's that's easy. Boom. A whole day. <laughs> but I think it's a really good point about a marathon. And I challenge all of our viewers, or just at least hopefully one of you will do it, to actually do a James Bond Jr. marathon. There's we always do Bond marathons. We always do sort of, you know, the Eon Cannon marathons. And this is something during COVID, spending the holidays indoors, it's a really great way to keep yourself safe. And it's a great way to become connected to just a, a lost or an unknown portion of, of, of the Bond culture. So that is my, that is my statement well, to fandom. Also, I'm I am now curious after having watched a couple of these. I'm curious about Barbara Broccoli's objections. It doesn't sound like she has said much for the record about it, but uh, no, it would be really interesting if uh, any interviewer decided to uh, work up the courage to ask a question, maybe at the tail end of the interview. <laughs> sure, should we get her on the podcast and she could do a watch along? <laughs> <laughs> I think we might have better luck getting Michael G. Wilson, but uh. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, he might be keen to talk about it. <laughs> so we'll pick another two episodes up, I guess, uh, next time. Yes, we'll see how crap the ratings are for this. You never know; we might have tapped, we might have mined something here. All right, thanks for joining us, David, Bill, Calvin, and Lisa, especially David and Bill. <laughs> It's not of your, it's an not part of your growing up. It's not part of your growing hey, up. Thanks for fan, having so. me. Yeah, uh, I I feel like I'm about to reach adulthood now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and also I thought we had an interesting discussion about uh, animation of the era. I mean, thanks to Calvin and his his deep knowledge. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think. Know. Yeah. 
as I said before. I don't know how we're going to fill the other 63 episodes now. But <laughs> Calvin, we just need to mind Calvin. I don't, I don't know if there's Calvin. that much to animation to cover. <laughs> oh. Study oh. up. Read a yeah. book. You got this, Calvin. <laughs> MVP. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, I'm expecting a complete history of the Korean animation studio that worked on this next episode. <laughs> all right, see you all again next time, guys. Thanks see for you. having me. Bye. freaking love it.